Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And I am really excited to have a conversation today uh, with the co-founders at Dyslexico, which is a tech company here in Nebraska. And we're going to learn more about that today. Uh, And so I'm joined by Bridget Peterkin and Grace Clausen, who are those co-founders. And it was Bill Pulte of ESU3 who pointed me to their work. And I was really grateful that he did so because what you'll have the opportunity to learn from this conversation today, for those of you listening in, is about two individuals uh, from Nebraska who have gone on to attend university here in our state uh, and have put together a company for a really important cause that I'm excited to share out about just the work that they're doing. But in addition to that, the fact that they've leveraged AI to have this impact will be a part of our dialogue today as well. And so look for all of those things. We've got Nebraska pride in the room today with this effort. And so I'm going to start with Grace. Grace, for those that don't know you, can you give us a little bit more of your backstory and how you came to become one of the co-founders at Dyslexico? Sure. Hi, my name is Grace and I have dyslexia. Dyslexia is a processing difference whereby uh, the orthographic maps that people form in their brain are actually formed differently. All that to say, uh, it just means that I spell worse than anybody else who's here on this podcast, and you don't want to find out how bad it is. Uh, A diagnosis with dyslexia is kind of terrifying because it's a lifetime thing. It's not going anywhere. You have to figure out what you need to do as a dyslexic person to find the tools that you need to navigate a world not made for you. When I was diagnosed with dyslexia, it was probably over a decade ago, and there were not resources for me. Uh, the most common response I got when I told a teacher or somebody I was working with that I had dyslexia is, what is dyslexia? So the onus kind of fell on me, and I did what I could day after day, and it became clear to me that I would have to work a lot harder than my peers to get the same outcomes as them. So that's what I did. And I am so freaking proud of the progress I was able to make. I'm proud I get to be here on this podcast talking about something that I think is really awesome. However, Another thing about dyslexia is it runs in families. So when my younger sister started exhibiting the same symptoms I had at her age, I was devastated because I knew how hard it is to make this all work. And when she couldn't overcome it like I could, I was absolutely heartbroken because she is the smartest person I've ever met. But it became clear to me that her teachers, the people she was working with, just couldn't see it. So another thing about me is I'm a software engineer, And I'm convinced that I can solve any problem in the world. So instead of like sort of sitting back and feeling sad about it, I started working with Bridget here on a project that is now called Dyslexico. Uh, Dyslexico is spelling and grammar correction specifically oriented towards dyslexic people because our brains are different. We make different errors. And I can pass it on to her to talk a little bit more. Yeah. Um, So Grace and I started this whole project while we were students together at the Rake School of Computer Science and Management, which is a program, if you're not familiar, out of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln that has a dual focus on computer science um, and business leadership. So through the classes at the Rake School, they really want to give us an introduction into how we can be software engineers, but also how we can identify and solve problems from the perspective of a business. So Grace kind of when all of this kind of began to happen with her younger sister, um, she began to ponder her own experience in the schools, did what she does best, and 
she started to code. So uh, she competed in a hackathon, um, which if you're not familiar is kind of a few day challenge where you get to create something cool and then compete in like basically a contest with it for OpenAI, um, which is the company that does like chat GPT um, and is a pretty big deal in the world of AI development. Uh, but she committed in this hackathon and actually did win it. And that's kind of when she came to me and started sharing about this idea. And we kind of realized that we were in a position where we could actually make something really wonderful that could help people in Nebraska and then kind of give us a chance to learn more about how we can actually practically apply all the things we were learning in our classes about machine learning and artificial intelligence. So um, we went ahead and we pitched to the Rake School Startup Studio, which is a really cool program out of the Rake School where students can basically pitch their ideas. And then uh, through kind of the investments of members of our board and members in the community, we're able to actually work on our project for a year with a team of student developers. So this is really awesome uh, because we have been able to build this Lexico without having to kind of hire outside help with a team that is getting kind of basically paid with class credit. So we went ahead and that first year, Grace and I kind of co-led the team together um, and we had the chance to actually build this Lexico. It was pretty crazy. I think like you hear and like online about all these ideas turning to reality, um, but it was pretty crazy watching um, kind of what was a slideshow at the beginning of the year turn into this product that's now an open beta and being used by real people in the state. So through the process of building Dyslexico, both technically and as a new tool in this community, um, we've had the chance to meet with a lot of really awesome people from around the state and around the country um, about dyslexia and hear their experiences. And while a lot of them did echo the experience of Grace, where she didn't have a lot of tools and um, really kind of struggled to get the support that she needed growing up with dyslexia, um, kind of the thread that has come through all of our conversations is just how incredible people with dyslexia are I and mean, the incredible things that they are doing in the community. So getting to be a part of that has been really invaluable for me and a really wonderful journey. Wow, that is so cool. And I, as I'm sitting here listening, I so want to unpack a number of things here. And so I'm going to have to kind of pick lanes for us to maybe enter into and then, or we'll see if they kind of merge uh, at some point in time. But Something I want to say from the start is that an accomplishment like this at any age or stage in your life is a major, major thing to bring a product to fruition and be able to share that with others in a way that impacts them. Uh, to do that uh, early in your career is also quite the accomplishment in and of itself. And so so when was this competition that Grace won with OpenAI? Because we know it would have been, what, November 22 that uh, ChatGPT3 was released and was made available. Is this... Before then, after that time, kind of orient us to the timeline for this effort. Yeah. So I competed in OpenAI Future Hack probably a year before generative AI became like the huge buzz that it is. I believe it was winter break three years ago. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and so then from there, when, when did that slide deck start to just form in your brain before it became even a slide deck? I could speak from my end. I was trapped inside. It was a snowy winter day and I was working with my younger sister and I was kind of immediately obsessed with the idea. I was like, oh my goodness, this 
is working for one and I want to share with people. So I started iterating on it and Bridget and I were actually on a trip to visit her sister in Portugal because we are cousins. So I was visiting my cousin um, <laughs> and I was iterating on it. And it was the day after we got back, that was the pitch competition for the rake school. And I was like, on the fence. I was like, should I do it? And Bridget was like, you got to do it. So our entire trip back was like putting together <laughs> dyslexico in the airport. Yeah, like 23 hours into our trip, both of us sleep deprived. We're <laughs> working on this slide deck to come up with the pitch. And two years later, we're here. It's pretty crazy. Wow. What a a little bit of a buzzer beater kind of a Hail Mary approach there, right? <laughs> right at the end to think to even put your name in. And uh, for folks who aren't as familiar with the nuances of dyslexia and finding ways to bring around these supports, when you talk about Dyslexico being a tool that can be utilized by folks with dyslexia, what what does that mean? Like, in what way does this technology help? And that might be, a you might even launch that from where you left off, like, right, as you were sitting there sort of conceptualizing it. Yeah, I'll actually start with before I was using the tool. Um, so there are like, obviously like spelling and grammar corrective tools out there, but like I touched on a little bit at the beginning, uh, because of the like neurological aspect of dyslexia, the way that I spell is different. It affects both your reading and your spelling. Mine has primarily manifested in terrible, terrible, terrible spelling. So these traditional tools are built for neurotypical people because they're the vast majority of the market. Um, so they'll do things just expecting you to like have a flub on the keyboard. Or if spelling error rate becomes too high, they'll assume that you are using Grammarly, but you are writing your Spanish paper. So they should just turn off the spell check. That works great for a lot of people, but not for dyslexic individuals because that's error rate is just how I'm writing. I've been in the position where I was just like, wow, I'm killing it. Time to turn in this paper only to like while it's uploading on canvas be like oh i've got an email from my professor like 30 seconds ago so drawing on these experiences and also the text messages of my younger sister a lot of really like complex new spell checks will try and adapt so that like if you're spelling your last name all the time they won't try and correct it uh, once again works great for neurotypical people but because of that my younger sister's phone isn't possible to type a text with because it's just too many spelling errors, it is adapted to her. So based off of these experiences, we sort of tried to put Dyslexico together to fill in the gaps and be the tool that I need, that she needs, that the other dyslexic individuals that we've talked about need. Yeah, so kind of building off of that, taking this problem where Grace noticed firsthand and her story has been echoed by so many conversations we've had with different folks across the state and across the country. We found that the application of AI could be a really good fit for this problem. And that is because AI has the ability to understand words and sentences in context. So when you look at kind of traditional spell check, it might look at a word that's misspelled and it's going to go do this long computer script that's going to compare it against a ton of other words and try to determine what it's supposed to be. And this is great if you just kind of flubbed your keyboard or forgot I before E except after C or something silly like that. Um, but if the word is really misspelled as kind of the result of the differences in orthographic mapping, the spell check is just not going to know what that is. 
And kind of the advantage of AI is instead of just looking at that one piece, it's able to look at a piece of writing as a whole and then um, identify what the writer intended to say um, instead of what they actually did. So that's kind of the first piece is the kind of invention and the propagation of these large language models and AI enables us to be able to edit text in a way that maybe wasn't possible before. And then the second piece to all of that is how AI is able to correct this writing um, without actually writing it for them. I'm sure you've heard so much buzz in the last few years about chat GPT, which um, again, didn't exist when Dyslexico started. We, uh, not to say we did it first, but we were using these technologies before it all uh, kind of became mainstream. But these technologies can be really great, but they can be hurtful, especially in the educational environment. And the fact that it prohibits students from learning to write themselves and it will kind of put words in their mouth sometimes and say things that they didn't intend to say. So it's really easy to go to like ChatGPT and say like, write me a story about playing outside during a snow day. Um, and it will do it. It will write you a story. But that's not the writer's story. That is the story ChatGPT wrote, um, which is honestly garbage at the end of the day. Uh, that doesn't teach them how to write. But our goal with Dyslexico is to have them to be able to write their own story um, about their own snow day experience. And then have Dyslexico be able to come in and be that extra help that if they spell words wrong, we'll be able to say, okay, like we understand like what this means in context and we can help you get it right. Um, and I think that's kind of the whole underlying mission of Dyslexico at the end of the day um, is dyslexic people are so smart. Dyslexic thinking um, can be a superpower, but sometimes those barriers to communication um, when it comes to writing and misspelling can really hurt your credibility or hurt your ability to get those ideas across. So if we can use generative AI, if we can use the power of these new technologies to help them say what they want to say, instead of having some tool write it for them, that can be really empowering. Maybe to break a little bit of that down then into the techie aspects of it. So I heard you mention their, their LLM large language model. And can you get into the details regarding access to an LLM, especially for those of us that really have a perception around that that is really just chat GPT, uh, which we know is not the case, but uh, maybe just kind of speak into how this works and where you, the spaces that you all are building kind of in relation to that, uh, as best you can for, for folks that maybe aren't as steeped in it, obviously, as uh, the two of you. I mean, I can start, you can, you can correct me, Bridget, but especially when I started building the product, it was a bit more of like the Wild West. There were tons of researchers doing tons of really cool things and training these large language models and open sourcing them. So open sourcing is when they just release it and anybody can use it for free. And what ChatGPT is, is it's the sort of culmination of all of this research and them putting their own work into it and then fine tuning their model into something new that they're selling. But that sort of last step of selling wasn't really the case then. So what I started by doing is actually looking at what these amazing resources or researchers were open sourcing and working on and branched their work. So I grabbed one of these pre-existing large language models and I started using it. I started identifying the shortcomings for it. And then I started building to adapt its particular use cases to dyslexia. Yeah, I think it's really been interesting to watch how the technology in the community has progressed even in the last few years that we've been working on this project. Because when all of this started, Grace would be sending me research papers that she had dug up um, from researchers across country on this. Um, and that's kind of where this 
the environment was when we started. But today, with the changes in the industry of an increased kind of amount of commercialization happening, starting with that big release of ChatGPT two years ago, a year ago, um, the kind of access to some of those, that documentation, those materials, um, and the ability to do some of this training and exploration into LLMs um, has become more and more accessible. And to me, that's really exciting because dyslexico is really drilling into the problem of dyslexia, but there's a lot of problems out there that can be solved using the power of AI. So it's really cool to kind of watch how we've been tangentially a part of some of these like rapid changes in the whole world of AI um, and gotten to see some of that bloom and evolve. And so over the duration of your time with Dyslexico and this project, obviously you've had the opportunity to work with others around getting the opportunity for them to interact with the technology and benefit, I'm sure offer input. Yeah, would love to know a little bit more about some of those experiences that you've had and give uh, our listeners a little sense of yeah, your users essentially and, and the feedback. Once again, I can start and then you can finish, Bridget, because you've been having some really, really cool conversations recently. But I'll just go with the anecdote of like the first organic user and the first bit of feedback that we got. So this was like about a year, some change ago, and we had released our first open beta. And we were watching the active users, we were watching the analytics, and we started noticing that was there was one person that we didn't recognize in a location that we didn't know. And we actually had them click the feedback button and give us some feedback. And they were like, this is awesome. And it was kind of like a game-changing experience for me because I knew I knew it was awesome and had the capacity to help. Uh, but the fact that somebody that we didn't know agreed was really freaking cool. Yeah. So kind of building off that to give you guys a better idea of our timeline, um, we launched our product to be open beta last March. So currently Dyslexico is available at dyslexi.co or just Google Dyslexico um, and you can find us um, or the first results. And kind of to give you guys a little more information too about what our product is, it's a text editor that is primarily focused on um, helping people with dyslexia write. So you can go in, there's a box and you can type your writing or paste writing from another source. Then there's a check writing button um, that you can click and it will go through and it will run our AI model over your text um, and go ahead and provide some suggestions that they can look through, accept, or reject. Um, in addition, we kind of have some other tools that we've developed that are really kind of best practices or best kind of tools for people with dyslexia. So a fact about dyslexia is it doesn't affect auditory processing. So we have some text-to-speech and speech-to-text tools built in there that they can use to talk into it or have it be read back. Um, and then have also surfaced some other tools, such as fonts like Open Dyslexia, that are specifically designed by researchers to be more readable um, and be more approachable for people with dyslexia. So kind of going back to our launch we put this product out there last March, and like Grace said, it was pretty crazy when we started to see people actually use it um, and put their writings in and as a development team kind of hunker down and be like, I'm trying to understand things that went well, things that didn't go well, and learn and iterate from there. And through our early experiences, um, we definitely learned a lot about how we can make our product better, but also like all the great things that come with kind of building a software business. So making sure things are up. They don't get any errors from the model going down or something crazy like that. Um, so we've learned a lot through that initial kind of launch um, about some of those aspects. But then from there, it's been really exciting to kind of see 
people from different age groups kind of get the chance to go in and use it. Um, and I don't, I'm sure Grace, you feel the same way, but for me, it's pretty magical when I see a response come in or someone we're working with is using Dyslexico and it pops up with a change that the other kind of solutions like Word or Grammarly didn't suggest. And I believe in our product. I've been working on this for so long now, but this still just boggles my mind when it gets it right. And I'm like, wow, like what we're doing here is really exciting and has potential to help people. So kind of from there, one of our primary next steps is to focus on how we can actually get this tool out there. So we have a lot of really passionate communities, but the challenge we're facing now is finding a way to get those in the hands of people with dyslexia. So we agreed to do kind of a research pilot with um, Millard Public Schools this year, um, and we'll be onboarding kids this spring, um, which is pretty exciting. We'll have our first real students in schools, boots on the ground using this. But for the listeners, if like you and your organization are interested in giving us a try, our goal right now is just really to get this in front of a lot of people and kind of learn from those experiences and be able to help some people in the process. Yes, I so love that. <laughs> it's worth, uh, I've got so many things I want to like say to build off of this. One, just the Nebraska pride and the fact that we have Nebraska born programmers and business leaders that are creating solutions like this and then continuing to let that be something that grows obviously across the world, but like here in our districts, right? And so I'm really grateful that you found that partnership. And another point I'd like to maybe bring up a little bit from the lens that I understand a little bit more of with regards to kind of that classroom practitioner aspect. So if you're a teacher listening in, most schools that have AI policy at this point it falls upon the classroom teacher to use the AI and implement regardless of the tool at their discretion. And so if you're listening, you're like, well, this sounds really great. Most of those policies say then it is really just then up to you to be able to like model that um, and really just come alongside those students and let them know what these tools are uh, and hopefully work with them in onboarding them. And so I would encourage you to consider doing that if you're listening in and you know of uh, someone that might benefit from being able to utilize Dyslexico and I also would push a little bit into some of those district policies, and I don't want to get too, I'm not opinionated or judgmental with this, uh, but what I do want to draw to folks' attention is that some district policies say that uh, it is a misuse to copy and paste student work into an AI chatbot or, or a program like this, and then copy and paste it back and have it represented as your own work. While I understand there are situations where that absolutely is out of bounds, <laughs> The wording of those policies needs to make space for examples like this. And I think that it's just important to be sensitive to that and, and uh, hopefully know better, do better kind of thing or uh, an opportunity to take an example like this and reframe some of those uh, as we like continue to grow as this technology does. So those are some of the things I think about from my lens in education that, that I kind of come at this work from. But uh, thanks for sharing about that site. We'll be sure to put Dyslexico link into the show notes. As we kind of bring things a little bit to a close, half hour goes so incredibly fast, it seems, uh, each and every time. What are some things that we could maybe highlight still? What have we left out? I mean, I just think that the take home that I want everybody who engages with Dyslexico uh, to know, particularly the dyslexic individuals, it feels like it's a life sentence. But like we've always said, people with dyslexia are so smart. They're so creative. It's just a question of getting the tools that we need to navigate the world, which was not made in our favor. I hope Dyslexico can be that tool, but just like, do not give up. Yeah, I think echoing that, 
through our experiences talking um, with folks with dyslexia and folks in dyslexia education. And then also just taking a look at some of the statistics. There's a disproportionate amount of NASA engineers that have dyslexia. There's a disproportionate amount of entrepreneurs that have dyslexia because there's so much power in that kind of creative thinking. And I think the trend we've seen of people with dyslexia, even in like prominent school districts in this state who do a great job at other things, we've heard stories of those students getting kind of shoved in classrooms with other folks that have a lot of needs that don't represent their own. And I think that kind of misunderstanding about what dyslexia is and the amazing things that people with dyslexia can achieve if given the proper kind of writing instruction and writing support and reading support. With that knowledge, I think we can all do a lot of good. And Dyslexico, as co-founders of that, Grace and I want to be that software solution to help those students. But I think we can't do it alone. We really need educators at all levels, administrators at all levels, to take a really hard look at how you're treating dyslexia in your schools and how we can improve and um, really support every single Nebraskan student. So in addition to creating writing tools for the students, our goal is also to support the educators. So there are a lot of really great educators out there, some working um, kind of as private tutors and some obviously working as um, educators in the schools who have extensive knowledge about the science of reading and how to address literacy education for folks with dyslexia. And we want to support them by providing analytics that can break down a student's writing and identify some target areas of weakness that the educator can really drill into and help them improve on. Um, so that's been one of our focuses moving forward is figuring out how we can support educators and help them do their job really well. And with some of the best practice dyslexia education tools like Orton Gillingham, it really comes down to that individual education piece. So Dyslexico is really hoping with our increased focus on this, that we can provide those analytics to teachers and to educators. So yes, we're supporting the student. We absolutely want to get those AI tools to them. But we also kind of want to look at the big picture of how the ones educated with a college degree and how to teach reading and how to teach writing, how we can empower them as software engineers to be able to thrive and help these students the best they can. Yeah, because if I'm capturing this correctly, the rhythm of that then might be to say utilizing the technology to create either the tool for the student or to produce the data necessary for a change in practices that allows for a little bit more of an individualized opportunity to, yeah, just empower the student to be able to optimize the learning experience at any given moment in time. Is that is that a line, I guess, if as a summary almost or a paraphrase? Yeah, I think that sounds good. <laughs> well, thank you both for your efforts with Dyslexico. I, I just think broadly, I think it's better for humanity. <laughs> we have tools like this in support of our individuals with dyslexia. And thanks for utilizing your talents to start this business and to advocate for it in spaces like this. And I hope this episode allows those that may need it to be aware that this exists and can hopefully get tied in. Again, check out the show notes for a link to Dyslexico. And I guess I'll close by saying, Bridget, Grace, thank you so very much for spending some time with us and getting a chance to tell your story here today. Thanks for having us.